Hey, it's Andrew, and I wanted to thank you for listening to the Door County Pulse podcast. Did you know that you can subscribe to the Door County Pulse podcast on Apple Podcasts or Pocket Casts or wherever you get your podcasts to have new episodes delivered to your feed twice a week on Wednesday and Friday? All you have to do is pick up your phone, navigate to your podcast app, and search for Door County or Door County Pulse podcast and click subscribe. If you're a longtime listener or if this is your first episode, we hope you enjoy the Door County Pulse podcast. Hello and welcome to the Door County Pulse podcast, where each week we talk with the writers and editors of the Peninsula Pulse about the stories you can find in this week's issue. I'm Andrew Clyden, and it has been a busy week. Memorial Day is really when the season starts to kick off here in Door County, but in the weeks beforehand, you start to see a lot of people start to scramble, get their businesses back open, get everything together for the influx of visitors coming in, and it's no different here at the Pulse. Miles and I didn't have time to sit down and actually talk about the events this week. So Miles this morning came in, laid it all down. So I'm going to roll his audio here shortly. But then after the break, Aaliyah Kidd and Grace Johnson are going to come in and we are going to talk about Game of Thrones. So the series finale is coming up this Sunday. And uh, Aaliyah Kidd wrote an article about how you can really enjoy being a Game of Thrones fan up here in Door County. So we'll talk about that a little bit. And then we're just going to talk about our, our general season's feelings and, and what we're excited for, what we thought, what, what's going to happen as everything culminates in the final episode of Game of Thrones. So let's jump in with the news here with Miles. And then, like I said, after the break, we're going to get back, talk about Game of Thrones a little bit. The first 10 or 15 minutes of which will be spoiler free for the, the current season. So if you're not caught up, don't worry about it. But then we'll jump into spoiler territory and I will let you know when you can duck out if you don't want to listen to Game of Thrones spoilers. Without further ado, here's Miles with the news. Good morning. It's Friday, May 17th, and here's some information about a couple of stories that came in too late for publication in this Friday's Peninsula Pulse, but that people should know about. So I'm just going to give you a quick rundown, starting with the roads in Ephraim. We are getting close to the highway reopening, at least on some level for traffic heading through Ephraim. It's been closed since early March when construction started on a major highway improvement project on Highway 42 in Ephraim. And the roads have been completely closed for much of that time. Ephraim now has sidewalks in, they have curb and gutter in, and they are now beginning to lay asphalt. Uh, it'll start Monday. And by Friday of Memorial Day weekend, May 24th, the roads will be completely open in Ephraim for the big weekend. Um, they will go back to some partial closures as they do some flagging operations, as they repave and resurface the stretches of the highway outside of what has been the main reconstruction zone. But you will be able to get through the highway right down 42 starting May 24th from now on. And then uh, the roads will be completely finished by Fear Ball weekend on June 15th. The contract that Ephraim has with the DOT and with their contractors says that that, that highway has to be completely open and ready to go for the big weekend, Fear Ball weekend, Ephraim's biggest annual festival. I talked to a couple of business owners this week, Paul Wanish at Charnuska Soup Bar. He is excited to be opening this weekend, May 18th, at the Soup Bar in Ephraim. Todd Bennett at Chef's Hat, they're back up and open again. Those businesses have been closed for most of the last two months, have I've lost a lot of revenue. So um, if you're looking for a place to go eat and you want to help some business owners out, some of those places in Ephraim that have been uh, lost a, a good maybe like 
eight to ten percent of their annual revenue. Uh, would probably really appreciate seeing your faces in their in their restaurants this this weekend and in the weeks to come. Also, last night I attended a special meeting at the town of Gibraltar, an open session to discuss what to do with the Redmond property. And the Redmond property is um, it connects to Highway 42 up by the settlement shops on the south end of the main village portion of town. And then also it includes a lot of property below a bluff that you really can't see from the highway. It's kind of tucked behind the village, behind the Fish Creek Park as you go through the main stretch of the village, kind of between Wild Tomato and Blue Horse Bistro, back behind there. And what the town has done is they have an option to buy 195 acres from Maurice Redman, and that option is for $2.15 million. That option means that the, nobody can come in and, and swoop that property out from underneath them while they investigate this property and decide whether or not they're going to execute that option purchase. That option ends in October. So right now what the town of Gibraltar is doing is trying to get public input and figure out whether or not they want to go forward and actually purchase this property. And that won't be decided until they have a town meeting in October and literally just the town votes on whether they want to buy it or not. Not the town board, the members of the town. That's how townships work with a uh, property purchase of this magnitude. So with a pretty contentious meeting last night, uh, pretty packed in the um, Gibraltar Community Center. A lot of people with concerns about the price tag, what it's going to cost, what they really want to do with that property. Some people pretty vehemently against it, afraid that it's just going to raise property taxes and leave the, the village with this big whale of a sunken property that they're going to have to try and manage and worried about the town getting into being real estate developers. Because part of what the town has talked about doing with that property is it's really like a, it's really best thought of as two properties, even though it's all one. It includes a big chunk of land below the bluff around the watershed. And that's really what the town wanted. Uh, Steve Soans and Dick Scary and other board members repeatedly said, we really are interested in this property for that lower portion on the bluff and below surrounds Fish Creek and actually to protect the waters and create a recreational park. But to get that, we could, they've been negotiating since, uh, they said, 2014. To get that lower property, they also have to take the upper property. The property owner did not want to split it and, and lose some of the value associated with a, a bunch of building permits associated with the property. So now they have both of them. And so their proposal for the lower property would create recreational trails and possibly a purpose-built bike path that could be like a year-round fat biking attraction. For those not familiar with it, there is a, a comparable facility down in Sturgeon Bay on a private property, and other facilities in the Northwoods have found like uh, fat bike trails to be great winter tourism drivers. That's kind of what they have in mind for the lower portion. The upper portion, there's a bunch of ideas for it, one of them being some affordable housing options and uh, like a mixed development that would have both workforce housing options, but then kind of market rate housing options to sell, and that you could get from the, those housing properties you would get the increased tax increment that would offset a lot of the cost of buying the property. There's also the option of getting grants for the property, some recreational trails grants, things like that, maybe even donors. They've also talked about working with UWGB to create a satellite campus. Uh, there has been some interest with that. They've, they have actually had conversations with UWGB about that. That's probably more of a way down the road kind of proposal there. But there's a lot of hurdles. You know, towns don't necessarily have a great track record of doing housing development. And what the town board member said is what they'd really like to do is not, they, they admitted they don't 
they're not developers and they don't want to be. They're not experts in that field. They, what they'd like to do is try and partner with a developer where they could sell the land to that uh, person and then they would do the development. But the town would have some control over what that development would look like and the parameters of that so that they get the workforce housing that they need. A lot of the discussion at the meeting last night centered around people just basically not having faith in the board being able to execute this and the board having a plan. And the, and the board basically admitted that. They said, we haven't really been allowed to work on a plan until we had this option. People we have approached about working with us for both the affordable housing or any sort of development said, get the option on the property, then we'll talk to you. Uh, so they didn't want to waste a lot of planning time when they didn't even know if they could get the option. So that creates a confusion because a lot of people don't understand how an option works and they don't understand that, no, the town hasn't bought this yet. Nothing's set in stone. This basically bought them an opportunity to investigate it. It's probably the best way to put it. But um, a lot of people concerned also that if you're going to do development up there, you're going to have to extend sewer. And if you extend sewer, that's going to cost a lot of money. And if the town owns that property, then they pay to extend the sewer. And maybe if they can get developers in there to buy the land first and then they can guarantee the sewers up there, then that private property owner would pay for some of those connections. But again, that's that's a big what if. I mean, if you're trying to get even 20 units built and sold in Door County, that's a, you know, a lot of people have struggled to do that and gone under. There were some very valid points about a lot of um, property developments that have gone bankrupt in the county when you've had economic downturns. We've been riding a, a 10-year economic growth cycle. and that's one of the longest in history, uh, certainly the longest in my lifetime. I'm 40 years old. So we generally have recessions every five to eight years, and we're at the kind of the longest cycle since uh, 1978 at least. So some people brought up the point like it's inevitable that we're going to have this downturn, and when we do, do we want to be the stewards of this real estate development as a township when that goes under? So a lot of questions, but also a lot of benefits. There's a really cool watershed back there. There's a really great opportunity for recreational paths. I'm a cyclist. I really like that idea. And many of us locals have biked that in the past. Uh, and there was actually a bike race back there. There's some really cool options with it, but it does come at, at a cost. And I think the town just seems to be really struggling with just how to organize this even investigative side of figuring this project out. They only have four to five months to to figure out a plan to present to the town to let them vote on. And you know, that's gonna, that time's going to come quick. So town of Gibraltar, under the gun right now, got to figure, they, they kind of figured at the end of it that they need some, some of the action steps would be to talk to the county planning department, find out exactly what permits and what is allowable on that property and how the county zoning department might work with them to create some housing options and create some committees, uh, separate this project so we have one, one group looking at the recreational options, one group looking at the financing options, one group looking at the housing options and another looking possibly at like just the environmental stewardship options of that land back there. People talked about maybe having the land trust come in and, and partner with them and purchase that land. Of course, if you do the land trust, then you're not going to have the bike trails. Um, generally at a land trust property, uh, the way those are legally set up is um, it's they, they don't allow bike trails. And that's a whole other discussion. Um, but that is the best synopsis I can give you on what happened at the town of Gibraltar last night. It was a long meeting. It was kind of a meandering meeting uh, administered as best he could by Rob Burke trying to just be a, a facilitator for ideas and get some stuff on the board. It did come. There was a lot of speech making that got a little out of hand, I would say, at times. But it'll be an interesting one to follow in the town of Gibraltar. 
And then the last thing to talk about this week, this one is actually a story that is in The Pulse. I wrote about the woman I call the matriarch of the Sister Babel, Rita Willems, who died April 26th. She was 94 years old. I used to work at the Sister Babel for a few years. I had the pleasure of getting to know her just a little bit, but really just getting to observe and see the impact she had on that family and that business and the tens of thousands of customers that came through the doors there. In October of 2017, I had a chance to interview her for a little video project we're doing at Peninsula Filmworks and went down and and met her at the Alpine Resort where she had her first Door County job back in 1945 and just sat in there and talked about what she remembered from those times working at the Alpine and going up to Murphy Moore's and Geesman's Bar and Casey's and and what she called Uptown Egg Harbor, which as, as an Egg Harbor kid, I never heard of Uptown Egg Harbor, but that's what it was back then. They would just work at the Alpine all day and then walk up there at night and then come back in the morning and serve three meals a day to people eating on the American plan when people would stay at a resort for a week or two weeks or a couple months at a time and you'd eat three square meals a day at the resort and really just hang out there. It's a whole different era of Door County and it was just really great to get the opportunity to discuss it with her. And one of the coolest things about that day was walking into the Alpine. And unfortunately, we didn't have the cameras rolling or the recorder going. But when she walked in the door, Bill Birchinger was coming into the lobby. And the resort is October, so the resort is largely empty. And Bill sees her, and they haven't seen each other in years. And he's just like, Rita! And um, just the barbs that they were bouncing back and forth off each other from... You know, memories from 50 years ago, 60 years ago, 70 years ago. I've got to go farther back. But from when they were both young people working at the Alpine, uh, it was a really cool moment and really great to just soak up some of the knowledge for some people from some people who have known this county in such a a greater depth and different way than than I have and know a different version of it. And, uh, you know, it's it's sad that we lost Rita. She had a great 94 years. Um, she was humble till the end, even as Sister Bay Bowl became this iconic restaurant of the county and, and so beloved by so many people. Even at the end, the, her, her granddaughter, Paula Andrews, it's described it as like, she described things as if they happened to her, not that she worked for them. She just seemed so thankful for everything that she had and would say things like, well, is, that this worked out, like, isn't this something? And not so much like bragging about things or or taking credit for them, just being like grateful that that she got the opportunity to to have these things and create a place where her family all worked in the restaurant together and still own this place all these years later. So if you get a chance uh, and you want to read about it, it's in this week's issue, The Matriarch, Matriarch of the Bull, Rita Willems. Um, I feel really fortunate I got to know her. They call themselves the Stradivarius Builders of Sturgeon Bay because the guys at Palmer Johnson were artists in wood and metalwork, anything you imagine. They did it so beautifully well. The first fishermen came down the lake from Mackinac Island, worked their way along the north shore of Lake Michigan, and they came because of the whitefish. The whitefish were abundant. In 1945, 2,000 German prisoners of war came to Door County and picked cherries for just one harvest season. Peninsula Filmworks is dedicated to telling the stories of Door County, past, present, and future. 
To learn more about the history of shipbuilding in Sturgeon Bay, to see how the Cherry became a Door County icon, or to watch the peninsula's last remaining fishermen brave the waters to haul in thousands of pounds of whitefish daily, and the many other incredible stories produced with the Door County Visitor Bureau, visit doorcounty.com slash ourdoorcounty. Okay, we are back, and joining me today is Grace Johnson, events calendar manager for The Pulse, and Aaliyah Kidd, lifestyle editor for The Pulse. How are you guys doing? Doing great. Pretty good. Good. So, uh, Game of Thrones is on its final season, and we are about to see the series finale on this Sunday. How are you guys feeling about that? I don't know how I'm feeling at this point. Like, it doesn't feel real. Um, I will probably end up curling in a ball and crying for a few hours after it's done. Um, just because it's done, but there is some hope on the horizon as there is a documentary the following week on the making of the show. Uh-huh. So there's a little bit of... Get one more week. Get one more week of all of that. And then, of course, there's all of the spinoff shows. There's like three going ahead right now, and I think they're planning five, though. So Yes, there's more in the future to look forward to. Mm-hmm. But I feel the same. I think every episode this season so far... It starts, you know, I can technically watch it at 8 p.m., but I always kind of like, oh, I don't know, like, maybe I'll go get a snack. Like, I feel like I just kind of put it off because I'm like, it just means one more episode is down. When did you start watching Game of Thrones? Let's see. I think maybe it had to have been seven years ago-ish. Definitely didn't watch the first, like, maybe two or three Mm -hmm. seasons, but maybe it was like... I think I, I think I caught up for season four when that started. I was going to say, I think the year that I, because I had attempted to watch it a couple of times, but the first episode is pretty slow getting into. And if you don't know the story, it's just too many people to keep track of. But it was the year, um, the Red Wedding season. The, that season, everyone was like freaking out over this like Red Wedding. I'm like, okay, all of my friends think this is really good and all this stuff is happening. I got to watch it. So I ended up catching up for me was listening to an audiobook I was mm-hmm. training for a running event and you know there's 34 hours of audio yeah. for the first book and like you I tried to maybe watch an episode mm-hmm. or two but it was kind of yeah kind of slow and kind of like where all these people yeah. um, but the, the books are really good mm-hmm. I listened to a couple now but after listening to that first one that's when I was like okay I need to get into the show and now I can kind of understand from the start. So if that's some, if that's helpful, if you're trying to get into it. I was similar to you, Grace, in that I had watched the first episode and was like, wow, this is really good. I can't wait to watch the second one. And then I would forget or not go back to mm. it. Um, and then I, I think I watched the first episode like three times Same. over the course of a couple of years. And then I read the first three books. And then finally, because I knew that this was going to be the last season, me and my wife decided to just binge the whole series and catch up over the winter. So we watched... All six seasons. What a winter. In, in, <laughs> like, it, it got to the point where we were watching like three or four episodes a day, and it was mm-hmm. like exhausting it's because yeah. Game of Thrones is a really heavy show, and if yeah. you're like binging it, it's like every day you're just like, oh my God, I can't believe that. Or we'd watch, we'd sit down on weekends and we'd watch a whole season in one night. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, it was a whirlwind. Uh, but we caught up, and we've been watching weekly uh, this whole season, which has been great. Um, Aaliyah, I know that, Part of the way that you dealt with the final season coming up is by writing an article for The Pulse. So you wrote an article called Game of Thrones Door County Edition, (laughs) and it's one of my favorite articles I've ever read in The Pulse. (laughs) 
Yeah, I mean, I think over the course of the last year, looking at photos from around the county, there's just certain things that kind of reminded me of Game of Thrones, um, especially the um, Rock Island Boathouse, which just has those really dramatic stone arches with the water underneath. And it really reminded me of King's Landing and um, some of the scenes in the show. So it kind of got me started thinking of like, what else would there be that you could kind of tie into like that Game of Thrones style? And there was a lot actually. So I got to put together a list. Thought that was a fun thing to do. Yeah, I was reading the list and it starts out with a lot of uh, kind of easy targets that I was like, okay, yeah, that's cute. Like burn the winter witch at Fearball, mm-hmm. you know, because Melisandre burns everybody in the show and and it's it you know you get that fire thing or travel the king's road to make your claim to the throne at king's landing which was anope state trail uh and i was like okay that's cute then there's the fish boil but then you just you get so granular and so specific and it's fantastic like ride a noble steed north to winterfell so going to the kurtz corral and riding horses in the winter Mm -hmm. in their trail like that that's like straight up game of thrones that is like very specifically getting into that (laughs) And if that, you look at the picture, the picture I use, there's actually a dog, and it could be ghosts. Yes, there's a white dog <laughs> in the in the picture. Mm-hmm. Or um, gain clarity in the godswood under the heart tree at Dor Shakespeare. Like it, it's so clever and so fun. If if you haven't read the article, you should definitely check it out. It's on DorCountyPulse.com. Uh, but it it's like the perfect way to enact your Game of Thrones fantasies. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I I wish that I had done this earlier because it would have been so cool to like go out and do these things for the pulse and be like make a video or something yeah. like that uh because they're, they're very specific um and like really hit that game of thrones feeling the the door shakespeare too it was hard to choose a photo because they do a lot of sword fighting it's very medieval um and then the cover photo for that it was very um cersei-esque with the evil undertones of the, those stories but um yeah i think it, it was fun to really think and can dive deep. I was going to say also in like the actual physical paper, as you mentioned, it's online, but the photo spread uh, looks really amazing in the paper as well. And I just, it's, you see all the pictures right next to, right next to each other and all together. And it's, I think of it is so perfect when you like first flip it open. Yes, this is Game of Thrones. Like this, this is it. I find that in Door County, it can be hard to find other people who share your interests if they're outside of, say, you know, kayaking or, or water sports or, or hiking or nature kind of stuff or drinking or going to fish boil. Like, Door County is very specific and it brings up a specific type of person who wants to get out in nature and do that kind of stuff. So then to be able to be like, well, how do I celebrate all of my other interests, like my fandoms? And how do I connect with people who also like Game of Thrones? Uh, I felt like that was going to be a challenge. Um, but then I don't remember who said it first. Maybe it was you, Grace, who had mm. mentioned the first episode of this season. And then all of a sudden everyone came out of the woodwork. Like you came over, Aaliyah, and you were like, oh, my God, that episode was so good. And then Miles is like, are we talking about Game of Thrones? And like came <laughs> yeah. over and it just like it brought the office together in an interesting mm. way where we were all like, oh, we're all watching this. We never talked that we liked yeah. Game of Thrones, but I it think just. Dave had brought it up because the weekend that the first episode premiered I was actually house sitting for Dave and we were supposed to get a snowstorm and I wanted to go home to watch it with my mom because I really got I got my mom really into the show and like well if it snows I'm not going to drive all the way home to Ellison Bay so I had to ask Dave do you get HBO at your house because if you don't 
I'm going to have a problem. Well, and Dave's funny, too, because he watches the show, but he's mm-hmm. like three seasons behind. Oh, he, what did he say the other day? I think he watched like all of the current episodes like over the weekend or something. He, from what I could understand, he hates waiting for like weekly episodes. So he just like waits till it's all out. And then you he, just skip a couple seasons just to catch up. Probably. Who knows? I don't know. <laughs> So speaking of the final season, uh, if if you're not watching the final season or you have plans to watch or you don't want to be spoiled, uh, now would be the time to say goodbye and turn off this episode and go listen to another one because we're going to dig into this final season and kind of get our thoughts out. Um, Game of Thrones is probably the most popular television show airing right now. So I think that it's appropriate that we we give our thoughts and we talk about it as we're approaching the final episode. Um so that being said, uh, spoiler territory, we're open to talk spoilers. What do you guys think about the final season? I have so many thoughts. I feel like, okay, every single episode is just so epic this season. Like, I feel a lot of people don't like slower moments sometimes because they can kind of get a little bit drag on. But there was the one episode, this uh, second episode, when um, everybody was sitting around the fire like the night before the big battle up in Winterfell and they were all just like sitting and talking and chatting and drinking with each other. And that's kind of essentially the entire episode was everybody kind of making their peace with each other and like saying their goodbyes without actually saying goodbye. And um, Well, and I think that scenes like that are appropriate for the last season yeah. because in a way, not only are they important for the characters to have those moments with each other, but it's important for the audience to have those moments with the characters and the actors that they've been watching for, what, 10 years yeah, now 10 that years. Game of Thrones mm-hmm. has been on? Yeah. So to have those moments of introspective dialogue or just talking to each other or just nice moments where they the characters get to have... Where they aren't getting killed. Right. They get to have <laughs> some fun or something like that. Yeah. It's important for the audience because it gives you that closure. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, like, uh, when Tormund and John said their goodbyes and and mm. Sam and Gilly had that moment where they you know talked about mm. their their upcoming child. Oh. Those types <laughs> of things John. are important because while they might not have an overall effect in the current plot, that might be the last time that we see those characters. So just mm-hmm. to have those moments and be like, okay, that that's good. We know kind of what's going to go on for them now and and we mm-hmm. we've got that moment of closure. It is really great. And those are types of things that might not be the most exciting moments, but I feel like they're some of the more important moments of the season. Yeah, this season for me has been interesting and the whole approach with doing six episodes instead of eight or ten like in the past has been something that I think is different having to close the season out. I mean, it's it's difficult because no matter what, going to love the fact that the series is ending. Um, so you're always going to have your little gripes and or, you know, it's not going to end the way you want it to or whatnot. But to me... Like you said, all of these episodes do seem so packed. So much does happen. It's, it is a little bit different from past years or past seasons where things do develop so slowly. Mm-hmm. And that second episode did kind of have more of that feel where you're seeing the characters connect and kind of strategize and have a little bit more of that slower build because that's really Game of Thrones to me is mm-hmm. when you go back to those past seasons where it's like, oh, that conversation really led to this one thing yeah, happening yeah. further down the road where this season it's just kind of like each episode you have to f- deal with all these things so quickly mm-hmm. that it's a little bit different for me. I was going to say this season is very much like these are all before like we were saying it's all of these things are happening that is building up to something and all of these episodes are the result of 
all of this past nonsense and, you know, espionage and lying and cheating and stealing and fighting, it's every single one of them kind of starts to close out all mm-hmm. of those, um, those problems and those issues. Interesting. And I mean, it's totally epic. Arya and the Night King, totally one of my favorite scenes so far this season. I was going to say, how did you guys even go to bed that night after the the battle scene? Because I was just like, that whole episode, my heart was racing. The most recent My palms one? were sweating. The third one, especially. Oh, okay. But yeah. I mean, that last one, too. Yes. But the third yeah. one was the such levels. a buildup. Yeah. Very you high. knew it was going to be a huge, long battle. And I was just, you know, ends. And of course, we started watching it late. So it's like 11 o'clock. And I'm like, now I need to go look at Twitter for like three hours before I go to bed. Yeah. Well, why don't we, let, let's wrap this up by going over the the three major parts of this season. We'll talk mm-hmm. a little bit about the Night King and, and episode three. Let's talk a little bit about what just happened with Daenerys at the end of the last Ugh. episode. And then we'll hedge our bets on the conclusion. Okay. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about the Night King. Um, in episode three, night descends upon Winterfell and the army of the dead attacks pretty much everybody in the show. Mm-hmm. Um, I was convinced that we were going to get way more death than we actually did. Oh, definitely. Same. I was shocked that we didn't, and yet, at the same time, so relieved, because in that battle were all of my favorite characters. Tyrion, Tormund, and Davos are like my three favorite characters who do not deserve to die. Mm-hmm. And I was 100% positive that we were going to lose mm-hmm. at least two of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and Grey Worm, too. Like, he was... At the front lines, and you're just like, oh, yeah. he's done. Yeah, it was a very, you know, Arya, too. You're worried for her and that yeah. one scene in the library. So you knew it was going to be this long episode. You knew, you know, right at the end, something had to happen. You knew something had to happen, but did not expect it to be Arya flying in. I did oh, not expect that. that. So perfect. I, I feel like... I feel like I, I expected it as soon as Melisandre was like, you're here, you're alive for a reason, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I forgot about it just enough. Okay. Which I think was what the yeah, showrunners yeah, yeah. were wanting you to do. They wanted you to forget about that mm-hmm. for a little bit. Um, what do you think? Arya or John? who should have gotten the kill? Um, I, I watched, like, listened to a lot of interviews with her and stuff. And apparently when she first read the script, she's like, I can't, I can't be the one to kill him. Like that's Mm -hmm. like, people are going to be mad that I'm the one that gets to kill him. Like it's always like led up to like, this is going to be John and John is going to be the one to like do this. And, and I think a very game of Thrones thing, they set you up for one thing and then you get another thing, but it totally makes sense with, um, Melisandre's prophecies with her. You're going to close eyes that are green, blue, um, brown. So we have, and she was training for so long for something. For there something. has to be, well, you know. Well, and I think that, like, John is the one that the show leads you to believe is oh, going definitely. to have the final confrontation. Even that entire episode is John trying mm-hmm. to go kill the Night King and the Night King just evading him. So you have the expectation that it's going to be John the entire time. But I think it's a sign that the writing is good when you are able to see that Arya gets the kill and go back and be like, okay, does it make sense that she gets the kill? Mm-hmm. Absolutely, because from... You know, episode five of the first season, she's been training for this. So you don't go in like, oh, she got the kill out of... Like if Sansa had gotten the kill, people would have been like, why did Sansa... That doesn't make any sense. But the fact that you can go back and trace Arya's progress from the beginning to the end and say like, oh yeah, it makes a lot of sense that she's able to to pull this off. Yeah, I think John 
getting the kill would have been. I mean, we probably all would have loved it. But you know that John isn't really, he doesn't love the fight. He does it because he needs to do it. And so it would have been more begrudging, I feel like. Mm -hmm. But I was talking with my friend who is a giant book and show fan. um, And he had an amazing, he's like, why didn't they, they do this? When John was fighting the dragon and, you know, he's trying to get to the wherever they were, wherever the Bran was, yeah, yeah, in the Godswood. Um, would have been amazing if you would have just been like, screw it, I'm going to run through this fire, just comes out naked and kills like, because he's Targaryen. Uh, oh, so he shouldn't, yeah, he wouldn't start on fire. Mm-hmm. So he would have learned at the same time that he, everybody would know he mm-hmm. is the unburnt yep. and... It would have been amazing. Yeah, but, that would have been naked Jon Snow killing a Night King. That would be, yeah, so, be pretty entertaining. Speaking of Targaryens, let's talk about Daenerys and let's talk about what Daenerys did at the end of the last episode. Uh, she leads her army to King's Landing. The whole show has been leading up to her finally getting to Westeros, finally confronting whoever's on the Iron Throne. And the Iron Throne surrenders. That's not enough for Daenerys. And Daenerys, despite everybody's best warnings, burns all of King's Landing to the ground on her dragon. Mm -hmm. What'd you think? To me, I'm a little torn because I get it. She's the breaker of chains. She wants to protect the innocent. Um, However, Cersei, just I know she's ruthless and we've learned over and over again, you can't trust her. She will do whatever. So if maybe Daenerys knows that and she's just like, hey, I'm taking no risk here and I'm just going to do this because we've tried to let Cersei do stuff and like have our trust in the past. She just always does something. Yeah, I have. I just I was very much a fan when the show started of Daenerys and I loved her cause. She was um, a woman that was taken advantage of and sold and used as a tool and she just didn't have any agency. So when she finally got that after Khal Drogo died and she started leading her own like Kalasa and she, it was very powerful. Like she started to take control of her own life and she's like, I'm going to do things on my terms. And I thought that was very epic and she was a great character and she did a lot of great stuff. Um, And I think definitely started to change last season. And it's very obvious in this season where I, felt like she was no longer like a powerful character who actually wanted to try and do good things. Um, She just became very selfish and power hungry and it turned very dark, very quick. And that just got worse and worse. And it's no longer becoming like, I want to sit on the iron throne because I want to do good things and like actually try to make this a better place. It's, I need it. I just need it. And that's it. I need it because people told me that I need it. I need it because my family had this seat for a while and I need to be the one in control and I need to be the one making decisions. And it makes me fear for John's life because especially in these last episodes, she sees how much everybody loves John. He doesn't want the power. He accepts it because he has to. It's a duty, but everybody loves him. He's more charismatic and he just has that about him and she sees it and she's like nobody loves me here the number one thing that game of thrones is successful at for me is showing you the inevitable and making you dread the inevitable like constantly throughout the show they show you like this is the really awful thing that's going to happen and there's nothing anybody can do about it and then it gets you to that point and works you through that and i think that 
that Daenerys's arc is probably the strongest example of that uh, because you have a character who who suffers a lot in the beginning of her character arc and is rewarded for her suffering with her dragons and then she continues to to suffer but be rewarded i don't see daenerys as a character who's working hard for her goals i think that she's suffering and then being rewarded and then once her dragons grow she's able to get revenge in a lot of ways or push that power. I think that the writing was on the wall for Daenerys the moment that she sold Drogon to the slavers and then turned around and had Drogon had burn them. Because, like, you might think, like, well, she's she's killing the bad guys and she's freeing the slaves. But it's more complicated than that. And that move, that specific, like, fine, you can have the dragon and then I'm going to have the dragon kill you once you sign the paperwork, that's an evil move. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Even though it, it's done against bad people mm-hmm. it's still an evil thing to do yeah. like when she kills Varys, she just no no regret just you didn't serve me and didn't you didn't do what you said you would do so goodbye well and i, I feel like part of the the thing that that has been or part of daenerys's character flaws that have been coming up in the last like three or four seasons is that now that she's powerful and now that she's starting to see the prophecies about her come true in her lineage she doesn't like it when people go against that or go against her or tell her that she's wrong. And you started to see that when she was going against her advisors in the slave city and how that blew up in her face. And then Tyrion and Varys go to advise her and you think, okay, maybe these two people, the arguably the smartest characters on the show, are going to help get her on the right track and, and quell some of those uh, like mistakes that she's making. But she doubles down and she mm-hmm. she doesn't want to be told that she's wrong and she doesn't like uh, people going against her word. Uh, she burns people who don't kneel to her. She threatens to kill everybody who says that she's wrong or to go against her. And then finally, Tyrion warns her and tells her, like, you know, don't do it. Do it this way. If you do it this way, they'll surrender. Once they surrender, it's good. You got it. And that's exactly how the battle works out. And she hates that. Yeah. She hates that she was wrong about this. And it just, it drives her to, to, to burn everybody. Yeah. And I think it's like interesting. Um, you had mentioned that she like has power. And this is another thing me and my friends were discussing is that like, if you think about it, the only reason why she's powerful is because she has dragons. And like, what is she going to do without them? She did a lot of things right, too. I mean, there's a lot of things that Danny has done throughout the series that were good moves. And, like, the way that she treated the Anacellis was was great to be able to give them a sense of freedom and to treat them like people. Those types of things were great and amassed her followers. But the more ambitious she got, the more she doubled down on her, her own instincts and her own, like, way of, of, of viewing these things. It, it became a, a black and white issue of like, there's only one way to do this correctly. And then once she discovered that, you know, it's more nuanced than that, especially with the slave city, when she realized that like, oh, freeing the slaves, that's a black and white issue. You have to free the slaves. You have to end the violence in the Colosseums. And then the whole city revolts on her and it's like, no, that's our way of life. That's how it's been. It becomes, it becomes a more complicated issue. And Danny doesn't like that. She she wants it to go her way, and she wants to be praised when it goes her way. And mm-hmm. she had a lot of those moments, and then finally here at, at the 11th hour, it all goes south for her. She wins, but not the way she wanted to, and then she burns the city. Yep. Next week, I mean, I've seen just in the preview her walking out, and it is kind of like that. I feel like it's a callback to that Cersei-esque, like Cersei's dead, but we've got 
Daenerys walking out and it's the over the shoulder mm-hmm. shot where it's very epic and mm-hmm. I don't know. It's got those like Darth Vader vibes. Yeah. Or those, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. You don't really see a hero walking out over their army like that. It's yeah. usually shot from the front or it's like well, more heroic. Say, it's like in either um, The Force Awakens, there is like that scene um, that everyone, when it was first coming on trailers, everyone's like, oh yeah, this looks like, you know, like Nazi Germany kind of stuff. Yeah. Little things. Looming, you know? yeah. daunting. Okay, so I have three questions for the finale. These are our three predictions. Number one, who has to die in the next episode? Daenerys. <laughs> to die so bad. Uh, good question. I um, feel like maybe Sansa or Daenerys will be, will oh, be well, one of those. Like, I wonder what Sansa's doing up in the north right now. Like, I'm... Like, because they left her, she wasn't in this most recent episode, so yeah. she was, they left her up in Winterfell. And I feel like, like they're just going to be pitted against each, each other. other. So. I was going to, like, what is, like, what is she doing up there? And when Daenerys' last episode said, you know, mm-hmm. she she won, she wins. And she had that line talking about Sansa. And it's like, oh, they're clearly winning or losing, like, is how she's seeing Sansa in this, at this moment. Well, and I feel like the, the, the deaths in the next episode are going to be linked in different ways. So... If Danny has to die, then you would think probably John has to be the one to kill her, right? Unless John dies, then Danny still has to die, but maybe it goes to Arya, who I think is definitely being set up to be in a position to kill Danny. Well, right. I was going to say, she still has to uh, kill the Green Eyes. That's the one eye color left. What about Dragon. Tyrion? Does Tyrion make it out? He has to. He's my favorite character. He is mine too. <laughs> I was going to say, I feel like he's the more sensible option. Um, he's got a pretty good head on his shoulders when it comes to a lot of this stuff. And whether he actually rules or not, or he's just an advisor of some kind, I think he's definitely a benefit. Well, and, and Tyrion is my favorite character too, but I I finally feel like I was ready to let him die in the last episode when he has that moment with Jamie, and then he delivers a line like, hundreds of thousands of lives for one wretched dwarf. So like, that was perfect for Tyrion. It's like he's finally acting selflessly and is willing to give his life for the innocent people, which is the culmination of his character arc from when he, you know, said that he wished that he had enough poison to kill everybody in King's Landing during his trial. Like, it, it's that's the evolution of his character. And I was ready to be like, okay, you know what? If this goes the way that he plans, then I'm okay with him dying. But then it doesn't. And now yeah. Danny is definitely the bad guy in this story by burning everybody. Now to see Tyrion die at, Dana- at Daenerys's hand after that would be such a gut punch because he does not deserve to die. Mm-mm. Uh, any other minor characters? Do you think we're going to see Sam or Tormund or any of these other characters come back? Do you think that their lives are in danger or do you think that we've said goodbye to them? I think they're out of here. I think they're gone. Yeah. I hope so. I, I hope, hope so that Tormund too. gets to go drink giant's milk and hang out with his dog. dog. His new dog and, you know, now with um, Sam and his wife with their baby on the way, I feel like that would just be horrible, you know. Okay. Grey Worm, though. He's, oh, he's hanging right. out. Yeah. We'll see. He's oh, he's so loyal to Daenerys, so... He was kicking butt last Well, I mean, episode. he was also just completely grief-stricken um, yeah. with Masande's very unfortunate um, death, which is very sad. I would say that my predictions are the final confrontations come down to John and Grey Worm and Arya and Danny. I think that That's those are the final confrontations mm-hmm. that we'll see. Yeah, because like, why else would Grey Worm survive all of this? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, next prediction. Who sits on the Iron Throne by the end? Oh, is there a- an Iron Throne? Right? <laughs> That's so hard. Like, I mean, you have, like, what you want to happen. Like, what I want to happen is for, like, John to be on the Iron Throne, Sansa can be up in Winterfell, and then Daenerys to just get a grip and then go back to, like, where Slaver's Bay is or Dragon's Bay or whatever it's called now. 
um, and rule where people liked her. And they can have like a nice little trade agreement and like all will be well. <laughs> but of course, it's Game of Thrones and that's not going to happen. Um, I feel like it's just like another thing where the show is setting you up for like, okay, here are like your top options. But I don't think that any of those are actually going to happen. And it's going to be very... I've been wondering about Sansa's arc because I feel oh, like yeah. Sansa's arc maybe is going to lead there because she is, she has all of those lessons that she's learned over the years from Cersei, from Littlefinger. She's had all these terrible experiences um, and she's has a, a more clear vision of, of the world. Um, so maybe that that's where things will go. Mm-hmm. I think that that John on the throne probably delivers the happiest ending. Yeah. I think that Danny on the throne probably delivers the most interesting, but I feel like the most likely person will be Sansa. Yeah. I think that Danny and John don't make it out and Sansa ends up on the throne with maybe Tyrion as her hand. That would be I think that would actually not be that bad. Yeah, the whole Tyrion and Sansa interactions recently mm-hmm. you can kind maybe of see how that would happen hint at that or i don't know if you've seen the meme online which i think would be a great ending um there's a picture of ghost riding drug on like how everybody <laughs> wants the show to end yes. it's just ghost and drug on um uh, and then really. final predictions any last character interactions that you you have to see before the show is over I, I already said that I think that the last character and interactions that we get are going to be Danny and Arya and John and Grey Worm I think that that's going to be the last ones um, I don't think that we need to see anybody else really interact that much except for maybe Tyrion and Sansa maybe some sort of final conclusion for their arc I don't think that they end up opposed to each other I think that they come together in the end mm-hmm. uh, whether that be you know as a queen in a hand or something else. Yeah. We'll see. Those are my predictions for final interactions. What about yours? Mm-hmm. I'm just thinking about, yeah, who else has really left? I mean, we did yeah. lose some big characters last episode. Um, mm-hmm. There's Davos. I'd like to see Brienne come back into the picture too because she was not yeah. in the Battle at King's Landing. Well, I guess, you know, Brienne is protecting girls. girls so. so Brienne and Sansa would be kind of those people yeah. at the end. I, don't I know. could definitely see a whole party of Sansa's queen, Jonna's hand, Davos as, you know, an advisor, and Brienne as the leader of the the new gold cloaks. Or, oh, I was going to say, like, Brienne definitely, like, needs to head up mm-hmm. the uh, King's Guard, now that she is a knight. Well, and I think it's interesting, too, because you have, um, you have John, who is definitely the lawful good character, who does everything by the book and tries to be the the hero he's the most heroic of any of the characters and then you have danny who is is the most ambitious but at the same time she's you know she's got her her flaws then you've got sansa who really her whole character arc has been reacting to the world that she lives in and trying to find a way to best survive in it so by putting sansa up on the throne you kind of have the character who has seen the best and worst of what this world has to offer and maybe comes at it with the most um, with the most experience behind her to try to create something better. I was going to say what? she like, Go ahead. I was going to say she really grew over the seasons going through all of those experiences. Like she was one at the very beginning. I really hated her. I thought she was just super annoying and like, like uh, not another little, Sansa little story. Yeah. Like, uh, she's so naive and uh, she shut up Sansa. You, you know, you don't, you're, you're stupid and you don't see what's right in front of you. But in these last few seasons, it's just, like, it's almost like her and Danny like, switched in my head, whereas, like, that's how I felt, like, with Danny. She was, like, the ultimate female character in the beginning for me, and then 
in these last two seasons, it's switched. And I'm like, Danny, you're stupid. You don't know what you're doing. Like, you know better than this. And with Sansa, it's like you have you you have grown and you have taken the advice and lessons that you have learned and you've made yourself a better person for it. Whereas Danny, I feel like, is not taking in that information. She is not learning lessons from other people. And she is the worst for it. Yeah. Yeah, it ends up worse for it. Well, like I said, Sunday it all comes to an end. I'm looking forward to coming in on Monday and chatting with you about how disappointed or upset we are because mm-hmm. no matter what happens, Game of Thrones is not going to have a happy ending. No. no. Uh, mm-hmm. All we can hope for is that it will be a satisfying one. Um, thank you guys so much for coming in and chatting with me about our favorite TV show. And I look forward to talking with you guys on Monday. All right. All right. Cheers. These stories and more will be available in this week's issue of the Peninsula Pulse, available throughout Door County. For more headlines, visit DoorCountyPulse.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the Door County Pulse podcast for your weekly Pulse picks, interviews, and exclusive content from the Peninsula Pulse. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next week.